0: Uh, Recently someone shared a a kind of prophetic encouragement um, and it was of a lion roaring across the city. Uh, And it came out of one of those songs about the Lion of Judah, which is another name that we have for for Jesus, for God. Um, And it was really a lion that was roaring with authority um, against the the skyscrapers of materialism, uh, against the temples of false religion, against the pain of, of injustice and poverty that we see. And uh, we also, a few weeks ago, there was a similar uh, kind of prophetic encouragement after the same song with the lion roaring over the land and over the people and over the big word hopelessness. Uh, in large letters, um, and it was really an encouragement that God sees that the hopeless circumstances of people's lives, those who feel hopeless uh, in life, um, that God has authority over those situations. Um, you may have seen on the the, the the rather sad news on that West Midland Safari Park, uh, um, the lion there, uh, Jelani I think he's called, and he was getting mauled by nine lionesses. We've got a lot of sympathy for him, haven't we guys? But uh, And so often in our lives, we feel that our lion isn't strong enough to fight the battles you know our lion isn't good enough uh, in that And but the reminder is um, that actually the lion of Judah is you may be here today you may not be a Christian you maybe have some challenge in your life and even wondering if there is a God and if there is can he make a difference uh, in your life and uh, our encouragement and our belief is there is and he does that uh, the lion of Judah uh, because Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the land of Judah Um, that he does see people's circumstances, he does know what's happening, and he does have authority uh, over um, the situations that we we face. And we see it time and time again, don't we, in the life of Jesus in the Gospels as he ministers uh, to people's lives. And our psalm today, Psalm 46, was written uh, by another king, uh, King Hezekiah. And he also faced a hopeless situation, but he sees God come through for him in a remarkable way. And uh, so he starts off his psalm by saying that God is our refuge and our strength, that he is our ever-present help uh, in trouble. And the historical backdrop to uh, this psalm in uh, Psalm 46 is probably God's deliverance of Jerusalem uh, from the Assyrian army. Uh, You can read about it um, uh, in 2 Kings 18 and 19 and Isaiah 36 and 37 when Hezekiah is king. And here's the story in a nutshell. Hezekiah uh, was a a good king, he was a faithful king. In fact, it says in chapter 18 and verse five that there was no one like him, he trusted the living God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. That's a great commendation to have in life. And Israel at the time had been split into the northern kingdom, which retained the name Israel, and the southern kingdom, um, which became known as Judah, and that is where Hezekiah was king. And the Assyrian army swept down from the north and uh, kind of marched against uh, Israel, captured them because they were a compromised people. They were people who had become unfaithful to God and so God in a sense sends his judgment through the Assyrians uh, upon them. And uh, so the Assyrians attack uh, uh, Israel and just like a massive game of risk, they're then ready to take the next bit of land. And so they take the main cities in Judah and they're encamped around Jerusalem and they're ready to, to, to take them all out. So Hezekiah tries to buy him off with gold and all, even the gold from the temple, but he's, he takes that and carries on relentlessly to march against Judah. And uh, so he's in a pretty dire situation. And so the king of Assyria starts to taunt him and he just says, who are you going to depend on, Hezekiah? You know, who are you gonna, who's going to come to your rescue now? You know, is it going to be Egypt, which was kind of to the south and was the the kind of biblical metaphor for solving a crisis the world's way? But Hezekiah says, no, he's going to depend entirely on God. He's going to depend on him completely. And so he tries to humiliate him. And he says to the people with his propaganda, he says, Hezekiah is deceiving you. You know, don't, let, don't listen to Hezekiah who says the Lord will deliver you. He didn't do it in the north. He's not going to do it in the south. This is a hopeless situation that you face. And then just to really rub it in, Hezekiah he sends Hezekiah a letter just underlying the detail of what he's going to do to his kingdom. And so Hezekiah takes it, this is this picture here, into the temple of God and he spreads it out before the Lord and he prays in chapter 19 of 2 Kings, and says this, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib, the Assyrian king. See what he has sent to ridicule the living God. And he continues his prayer, Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone lord are God and then into this the prophet Isaiah sends a message to Hezekiah which is pretty long but it ends by basically saying that the king of Assyria will not enter the city he will not fire a bow in that place Um, he will not invade but he will turn back which seems impossible And yet, the very next morning, Hezekiah wakes up and discovers that 185,000 Assyrians are dead. The angel of God has somehow moved against the Assyrian army. And so the rest of the Assyrians, in fear, flee, and they break camp. And eventually, the king himself um, is uh, taken out by his own treacherous sons uh, sometime later. So no wonder Hezekiah writes that God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble because this is this he lived out reality in his life verse 7 the lord almighty is with us the god of jacob is our fortress verse 8 come and see what the lord has done the desolations or the amazing things that he has brought on earth and then in verse 10 this iconic statement be still and know that i am God. And as we look at living life well, and as we unpack the the practices of of solitude and of silence over the coming weeks, right at the heart of it is this, to be still and know that he is God. To know that he is God in our lives. And it's Hezekiah's faith that trusts in the power of God. He trusts in the mercy of God, in the grace of God, in the love of God, in the authority that God has. And this word be still literally means relax. Okay, just, just take things easy in a sense. Take your hands off. You know, there are things in this life that are beyond our control. You know, we want to control everything, but there are things beyond that. And we're to take our hands off that. Understand that, he says. Take your hands off. Be still and know this, that in your situation I am God. The Lion of Judah roars over it. Many of you will know um, that in, vo- in Iceland there are many volcanoes um, and there are eruptions from time to time. A few years ago you may remember that all, pretty well all the aircraft in the world came to a standstill because of the ash clouds from the eruptions um, there. And Iceland sits right in the middle between the, the North American uh, continent and the European continent or the Eurasian uh, plate and so these two tectonic plates are pulling apart continually and they straddle the two continents and hence uh, why Iceland exists like it does and why there's so much volcanic power uh, uh, there. And uh, in 1783 there was a devastating eruption. Um, it was an unstoppable lava flow, it was, uh, it was called the Skafterelda eruption, it was almost apocalyptic uh, across the world. Um, the, the ash went as far as China. This is just a, a map from 1783 of where some of the lava floor was. And it, The ash went as far as China, um, America, Africa. Europe turned dark um, in a remarkable kind of way. It affected the climate worldwide for the next few years. There was serious droughts. There were terrible floods. There was hot summers and very, very cold winters. Um, crop failures all across the world and particularly across Europe they even reckon that it triggered the French Revolution because of the crop failure because of the unrest of the people a few years later um, that so that whole thing was triggered by that it was massive there was also an Icelandic pastor a guy called John Stein Grimston, and uh, he was a, a naturalist a self-taught naturalist who kept a detailed record of this eruption and all that was happening in Iceland And uh, he also was ministering in some of the churches over there. This is one of his descriptions of the lava. The flood of fire flowed with the speed of a great swollen river with meltwater on a spring day, which is pretty impressive in itself in Iceland. Great cliffs and slabs of rock were swept along, tumbling about like large whales swimming, red-hot and glowing. Pretty scary kind of thing. On the 20th of July, 1783... The lava floor was two kilometers from their church in a little village on the south coast of Iceland. And uh, people went to church that day thinking it was going to be the last day they would see their church. In fact, there was so much uh, kind of fog and mist from the, from the ash and from the steam and all the rest of it, that they literally couldn't see the church building until they were right in front of it. But regardless, they went, across, went ahead with this service and uh, this guy led this service which became known as the Massive Fire Okay, and he became known as the pastor of the fire. Um, there was thunder and lightning outside from the volcanic ash clouds um, and, and all the rest of it. Um, and John and the congregation prayed to God. And miraculously, the lava flow stopped a few hundred yards from that church. Apparently, it cut across a couple of rivers and the rivers were re and then started dousing the end of the lava flow. And it came to a standstill. There was a similar thing happened in uh, northern Iceland and uh, the lava flow was coming down. This is in 1729 and it destroys the farm right in front of this church and then flows either side of the church and, uh, and it's depicted on this uh, kind of wooden pulpit uh, today with a date on it um, as well. Be still and know that I am God. Trust in God when circumstances seem to be unstoppable where they seem to be overwhelming. Perhaps there's even chaos and tragedy all around. And Psalm 46 emphasizes the presence of God with His people in times of trouble. You know, verse 1, ever-present. Verse 5, God is within us. Verse 7 and 11, the Almighty is with us. And it's a psalm that emphasizes the difference it makes when we trust this God with the challenges of life, with the changes of life, with the chaos that there might be in life. It is an absolute key to living life well. The first three verses there talk about God as our refuge, our strength, and our fortress. God is a dependable refuge for his people when everything else seems to be falling apart. But he doesn't protect us just to make life easy. He actually protects us so that we can be strengthened and we can go back out into the world. And the challenges that it faces. Psalm 71 and verse 7 puts it like this, it says, "I have become a sign to many. Uh, you are my strong refuge. I've become a sign to many." Um, I love this kind of picture of the, the lighthouse, because this guy, if you can see the guy, he's actually in the safest place there. Right? There's this incredible storm going around, but he's just stood there. It'd be quite fun to do, wouldn't it? I'm not sure about the photographer. I don't know where he stood, but this guy is quite happy coming out of his door in his lighthouse. And the wave comes behind. And yet, the lighthouse is also that symbol of a light to other people. So, a refuge, but with a purpose. And it's worth noting that Hezekiah's life was not happy ever after. Chapter 20, he faces a terrible illness, and he has to start to put his trust in God all over again. The Icelandic pastor that I mentioned, you know, in Iceland, 25% of Icelanders died of starvation because of what happened including his wife okay it's not happy ever after and yet because he was ministering in that parish the the, the authority sent all the all the destitutes um, to his parish for him to minister to okay incredible stories that come out of that despite the times of trouble but God protects us with a purpose his ever-present help um as we trust him be still and know that I am God. And a lot of people say to me you know I'll trust God if he does this for me. Okay if he does this or changes that. But actually I th- I think God turns it around and he says you trust me and see what I will do. Okay put your faith in me and it's that way round. The word trouble here describes people in tight places, people stuck in a corner, people unable to get out, hard pressed on every side and the psalmist simply says don't be afraid in those circumstances Isaiah's message to Hezekiah when he's cornered by the Assyrians literally um, in, uh, in Jerusalem he says to him God says don't be afraid of the words that you've heard don't be afraid of the words that the king of Assyria has pronounced and declared in public don't be afraid of the words that he's written down on this piece of paper you know Psalm 46 again the earth may give way the volcanoes or the mountains may fall into the heart of the sea the earthquakes may shake but God is in control says Hezekiah you know even the 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 forming roaring waters that I read about in verse three um, may symbolize the the kind of the political upheaval uh, of the time and of the nations and of our world mentioned again in verse six but even with all that's happening in our world you know politically and uh, we're in the midst of all of that God is our strong tower God is our fortress And our refuge in the uncertainties of life. The next little section of the psalm. It says this. There is a river. There is a river of joy. Whose streams make glad. And the scene now moves to the city of Jerusalem. Where the people are trapped by the Assyrian army. Camped around them. And we all know that water is always a precious commodity. Particularly in that part of the world. And Jerusalem was one of the few ancient cities built not on a river. And uh, so Hezekiah later on, you can read it in chapter 2020, designed a whole underground river system um, to supply uh, the city. But he knew that God was their real river. He knew that to really uh, draw on that sustenance, they needed God himself. He provided the water of life. And in the days of King Ahaz, who was the king before Hezekiah, his predecessor, Isaiah had come and prophesied that the Assyrians would come. But he reminded the people that they had um, neglected their God, who was like a quiet river. Isaiah 8, verses 6 and 7. He says that your God is like a quiet river, like the river Okay, Not like this um, masquerading a Syrian invasion because they are like the mighty floodwaters of the Euphrates but your God is a quiet river that you're to draw on and it's a reminder that God's people have always depended on quiet hidden spiritual resources that God that come from God alone be still and know that I am God but there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the most high dwells God is within her she will not fall God will help her at break of day. Literally, for Hezekiah, it was the next morning that his help comes and he sees what's happened across the fields. God is the Most High, and no matter what your circumstances, no matter what our challenges, we can always come and drink from this river. It's a place of blessing. It's a place where we can find joy, and it's a place where we can find peace and we can find strength in our lives. So God is our refuge. Um, There is a river uh, to draw from. And then the third bit here really is that God acts. We see the difference that God makes um, to Hezekiah and the the people of Judah. And God is glorified through it. And so the third scene is the surrounding fields of Jerusalem where the enemy soldiers lie dead. Their their weapons have been destroyed and they can't be reused against them. Um, There's been no battle, yet God has remarkably moved uh, and disarmed their enemies and all because hezekiah and his leaders have put their trust in their god allowed god to be god and he delivers them from their enemies he simply brings the letter that he gets of threat and brings it before god um, in faith and his prayer is again now O lord our god deliver us from his hand, so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Okay, again, rescued, but for the glory of God, so that God's name will be made known. God is our God, and he will be glorified. Let's watch this video, um, and then I'll make a few comments.
1: God can do anything, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. 13 years ago, God gave Richard a vision to build a wall. This vision was like no other. The wall would be a piece of architecture that would become a national icon, demonstrating to the world that Jesus answers prayer. What started as a vision, today is becoming a reality. And the concept is that it will be a million bricks and every brick is going to represent an answered prayer. We want to build it by a motorway so that literally tens of thousands of people are going to see it every day. Each and every element of this sculpture is going to represent a story where Jesus has intervened in somebody's life. I had to go through a major operation where I had a 50% chance of dying. But thankfully, after praying, I made it. I had insomnia for nearly two years, and then some people prayed for me, and I was healed by Jesus. I was lost and empty, and I didn't think I had a purpose in life. But then I prayed to Jesus, and he gave me dreams and hopes. My mom was diagnosed with malignant cancer. I prayed to Jesus, and my mom is healed today. My hope for the future is for those individuals who have no interaction with church, but still, there'll be a route for them to find the God who answered. For every brick that is built in the wall of answer prayer, we're also going to put another brick into social housing. So we're going to provide a million bricks of social housing, which should build about a hundred houses, and that will be both in the UK and worldwide. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to build the wall. I'm building the wall. If you've got a story where Jesus has answered your prayer, You've got an opportunity to share it throughout the generations. So get a brick, share your story, and build the wall.
0: So the the wall project, an uh, amazing vision, uh, a national landmark of hope. Um, and there's been this uh, an international competition. Um, they've come up with five architectural designs, and they're going to choose. Um, the one that they think is most uh, fitting for that. And the exciting thing about it is that they've been gifted a piece of land to build it on. And there's a whole nother miraculous story behind that. But it's gonna be, and this is it probably inside information, just off the M42. It's gonna be not far from here, um, probably in a couple of years time. And there'll be a visitor center. It'll be a place where people can stop. And I think they're gonna like put a barcode on a brick so you can scan it download the testimony of what that brick represents, a changed life, a changed story. Schools will visit, You know, 140,000 cars will pass it every day, and it'll be a place to simply stop and be still and know that he is God in our lives. Stories of answered prayer. So this week, let me encourage you just to find uh, some time. Find some space, it might be a quiet room. It might be you can't find a quiet room. You need to go for a walk in the park, you know, whatever. Find some way. to just to unplug yourself from the distractions of life, from the distractions of your phone, whatever. And just quiet yourself in God's presence and use this simple verse as a focus. Be still and know that I am God. And... Um, after a time, just a bit of time of thinking on God, perhaps just imagine one of those bricks. And a brick that represents something. So it may be the brick that represents Hezekiah's story and the way that he's moved. Or it may be another story from the Bible that you want to reflect on that represents God's power and how he's worked. Or it may be something from your own life where God has moved. Or it may be someone else that you know. But just something that reminds us that God is God. And think on that. And then just begin to express some thanks and gratitude for who God is and what God has done. And then you can leave it at that. Or you can also bring another brick. And it may be a brick of your life that is, has not yet been answered. You know, it may be something that could be in this wall in two years' time. But it's not got a barcode on it yet. It doesn't have a story associated with it. But it's how you want God to move uh, in your life. It's some way that you want to see God be God. Um, for his glory and for his name as well. So be still and know that I am God.